I am Steve Jablonski, and we're here today to talk about me, and more me, 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 me. Now we're here today, I think uh, Kaya wants to talk about Skyscraper, which is a movie I just finished. It's got a guy named The Rock in it, Dwayne Johnson. Super nice guy, told me he loves the score. So he's a, that's, that's, that's the one I know he's cool. Well, thank you so much for having me back here. It's so great to see you cool. and talk to you again. Thanks for coming. Yeah. I mean, you live far away. Oh, it's, it was great. You know, okay. Friday, relaxing cool. down here. It's a lot cooler here, about 30 degrees, 20 something degrees. Oh, nice. <laughs> it was 95 when I left. So nice. we did that for you. Turn yeah. Thanks for the down. Santa Monica air. <laughs> So before we uh, uh, jump into Skyscraper, um, I know we did a nice big long interview last time, but for any viewers who are um, listening or watching right now, um, I kind of want to revisit your background and kind of your path into becoming a composer. I remember you had kind of an unconventional, I think you were a computer programming major, and so kind of yeah. talk about how did you end up sitting here today? <laughs> right. Well, short version, yeah, I went to college for computer engineering. I'd been good at math. And, but uh, all throughout my schooling as a kid, I was into music. I played a little piano here and there, and clarinet was my main instrument. And, uh, yeah, but for, for a job, I thought, okay, I'll be a computer programmer. Right. So I went to school for that. <laughs> and after a year, I was really bored with it. And yeah. I thought, I can't do this. All my friends were super into it and super psyched about all this stuff. And I was like, man, you guys should be doing this. I should be doing something else. And <laughs> I... Uh, I had already taken some music courses because I love music and switched to a music major. And at that time, it was a long time ago, there was no film scoring. Not, And I wasn't even thinking film scoring. I just thought yeah. music. I actually thought maybe I could be a recording engineer hmm. and work one of these things because I had computer. I had some technical background as far as how to record things yeah. and, and pair that with the musical background. thought, hmm, could do that. I came back to, graduated, came back to L.A., did a few odd jobs, really weird little <laughs> engineering jobs, and uh, uh, growing up, I was a huge film fan and film score fan, Hans Zimmer being one of my favorites, right. and I thought, wouldn't it be cool to engineer or do anything at Hans Zimmer's studio, and I I don't even remember how that thought came up if I read somewhere he has a studio mm -hmm. not in, in Los Angeles, and so I looked up the phone number and called it and said, do you need any help for anything? And, and they said, yeah, yeah. And I, you know the place well. Yeah. It's like an empire now. Back then in the mid-90s, it was not quite the empire. It was in the same place, but it was far smaller. You just had Back when you the were corner, in and then now it's the whole block. <laughs> yeah. Not quite the corner. Yeah, yeah. just the, in from the, I think Jackson Brown's got the corner. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Groove. He was, yeah, Groove Masters. Yeah. He had a couple buildings, and it was just smaller, and I, I feel like maybe that was a good time, just because yeah. I went and just got people coffee and got, went to pick up I love how food. it was like that, where you can just need help, and they're like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas today, it's super competitive. I, <laughs> a guy named Tom Broderick, who I will always, you know, he's a good friend of mine. He's not there anymore, but yeah. he was a studio manager at the time, and then he became one of Hans's uh, great assistants, and... I don't believe he's there anymore, but he's the one who answered the phone and mm -hmm. said, come on down. And yeah. he was sort of the one assigning me jobs and yeah, things yeah. to do. And I would never leave because I loved it so much. I just observed. And Harry Gregson Williams was starting a few months after I started. He had just kind of moved mm -hmm. over from London to write there. And, and Tom, being the great guy that he was, 
saying, Harry, do you need some help uh, getting your studio going and this and that? And Steve's kind of, you know. Yeah. And so he, he sort of made that connection for me. And <clears throat> that was really the start of it. Yeah. Harry eventually hired me to be his assistant. And I would help him mostly technically, but that there came a point where when he would go home at night, I like, oh, this, this studio is so amazing. This yeah. that I helped set up and, and no one's using it. Yeah, no, no one's one, using it. He didn't it. mind, so I would. <laughs> I I remember I scored a scene from the fan that Tony Scott film just yeah. for fun. You know, it didn't go in the movie, but yeah. I did it just for fun and That's did, cool. did did a bit of that. <laughs> and it's somehow Harry became aware. He's like, oh, you you want to do that? Maybe mm. you want to do a scene for real and. It sort of snowballed out of that. Yeah. Just, but but yeah, it's, it's it was such a fantastic place to learn and just to observe, you know. Yeah, and that's things you see there. And I talked to the people who are there today, and they say the exact same thing. You know, they yep. sit in meetings with composers and mm -hmm. learn and all that. So yeah, that's a, such a huge part of this job is communicating with filmmakers, right? Fig figuring out what they want or or if there's a problem, yeah. Figuring out how to fix it and not panic and <laughs> yeah. just everything can be sorted. Right. Yeah. Well, so you hope. Yeah, you hope. Well, maybe not everything. <laughs> um, so let's jump into uh, skyscrapers. So anyone listening, we did talk a lot of all yeah, your past stuff in the past interview. Go so YouTube go YouTube and find that, or yeah, wherever, go, wherever yeah. it is. Sorry. YouTube. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> YouTube pod, uh, right. podcast, whatever. Um, so let's jump into, into skyscraper. You got to work uh, with Rawson uh, Marshall Thurber, uh, the director. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about that. You, how did you get on this project? And because you hadn't worked with Rawson mm -hmm. before, so no, how did this either. come to be? And what was it like? starting a brand new relationship with a new director. Well, that's one of my favorite things, starting a new relationship. Cause mm -hmm. it's, I just like that process of figuring out what they like and yeah. why did they hire me and what do I do that they like. And Right. But I just got a call last year at some point from my agent saying there's this film Skyscraper and Ross and Thurber's directing and they, they've shown interest in you and hmm. they have I know, a list of names that they're interested in. And I'm like, cool. They sent me the script, and I thought it was really cool. And I loved the fact that he wrote it as well. Yeah, he did write that, yeah. And, of course, I knew him from Dodgeball, which everybody loves, and his <laughs> other films he's done. And, and I thought, this is a, uh, different for him. Yeah. Uh, it's not really a comedy. There are some comic elements, but it's not a comedy by any means. And uh, and they set up... So I read the script, and they set up a Skype call because he was in Canada shooting. And I told him what I thought about the script. I focused mainly on the fact that I liked that Dwayne Johnson's character was a, was a father. He was, and, and the fact that he was an amputee, he was sort of this wounded hero who yeah. was trying to redeem himself. And he wasn't a big super, even though he looks like a superhero, he wasn't. <laughs> he does some superhero things in there. He does. <laughs> but he only does them to save his family. He only goes to these extremes because right. he wants to get his kids back. And I told Ross, and I said, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. And I think... I said, I don't know what you think, but I don't see this as being a big, you know, eight horns transformer type theme. I'd much rather go the other way and write a really simple theme for the family, and then the score can develop out of that. Right. And I think he liked that because he hired me. But yeah. <laughs> I thought we hit it off well on that Skype call, and he liked that approach because I think that was his approach with the film in general. He right. Said to him, this is a this is a family thriller, more or less. A, a man's family has been kidnapped essentially and he must must uh, rescue them and go through you know horrible things to do it yes yes but uh so yeah i i, I really enjoyed 
that first conversation with him and then getting to know him. He's an amazingly nice guy. Yeah. And great communicator. Very humble for, you know, the, the amount of films he's directed, successful films, and I thought we just hit it off well and had a good creative relationship. That's great. Because so when, when it happened, like, I mean, there's going to have to be in the past where you don't hit it off. And, when, and as a composer, I talked to other composers right. about that. Because you, you have to be kind of the, you have to really learn people and, yeah. and I mean, you work with some either big hotheads or calm, quiet people right. or very micromanaging or people who leave, leave right. you be. I mean, have, is that a skill you had to learn to adapt to different directors and producers mm-hmm. and to, like, have, did you not have, a, was it a rough patch to get to, to, to kind of learn people? I'm trying to think. I think the roughest part was just getting over my fears of, why did you hire me? You know, uh, so just doubt? Yeah, just doubt, especially early on. The first uh, theatrical film I did was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Right. You know, and Michael Bay came in for that first meeting, and I had only written kind of in the shadows for him on Pearl Harbor and all those. Yeah, I probably didn't even know you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. I doubt it. And he, he you know, he had, suddenly he's sitting there looking at me going, what, what do you got? And so getting over that was... Yeah was a challenge but yeah what you're saying I, as I said before that's so important to this job yeah and I think the years I spent watching Harry and Hans deal with these mega directors and producers and how you know you just speak to them and and, and you, you hear stories of composers go ah that's my score if you don't want it and then they get fired and yeah yeah I'm like I I've never been in that position, and I would never want to do that. To I can understand, you know, right. why some composers might do that under certain circumstances. But I always feel like you've trusted me with this film for some reason. I really want to try to do whatever I can to mm. figure out this issue, or you know, give you what you want. This is your film. This is not my big uh, stage for my score. This is not a concert of my music. Right. I'm just trying to help you tell your story. So that's. If you come at it from that angle, I think you can generally figure out any mm. any issues and, and overcome just anything. Be there as someone to solve a problem rather than, I guess, yeah. cause one. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Causing problems is, is not good, and if you do, it happens. You know. Yeah. And it happens. you just try to do what you can to fix it. Have you ever told a director if, like, say they said, "Let's do this this way," and you have you ever been able to be like, "Do you have a good relationship enough to be like, no, that's." That wouldn't be good. Uh, do, yeah. you, do you have that kind of relationship with directors where you can actually speak up and be like, mm, let's yeah. try it this way. This probably will work better. What I've learned is that directors in general, or generally speaking, not all of them, but most directors want that. Mm. They are so insecure about their film because they're, in addition to listening to my cue that day, they've looked at 8 million other things, yeah. you know, just costume. Do you like this costume, red or black, or do you <laughs> like... And they're they're just pulled all directions, and they they really want you to help them, because they they might have ten minutes to come in and listen to a cue, and they have to say that's great, or you know they have to process this thing they've never heard before and mm. tell you it's good and maybe change this and that. And I've learned that they like you know you want to listen to what they have to say first. Yeah. And if you do disagree, just say you know I think maybe this approach. And the number of times they've go oh yeah that's a great idea let's try that. I'm so I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. They're just they they're looking for that because they're stressed about every right 
you know, little thing they have to deal with on every. And they've every, been on that movie for yeah, years, yeah, you years. know. <laughs> so they, that that was another good learning lesson. They hire you because they want your input, right? And uh, and I'm sure there are directors who might go. Yeah. But I've never come across one. Honestly. That's good. They just, yeah. <laughs> they get to work with collaborative. I think directors. a lot of them are. Yeah. If they're at this level, they're they're not like that. Right. I think those kind of people just kind of go away. Yeah. Or they just they don't. People don't want to yeah, work with yeah, them anymore. Yeah, right. So I think I think yeah, I've, from I know people don't people want to work with people they like, and I mm -hmm. think in this industry, if you are not if you're mean or you're mad or angry, <laughs> right. then people are not going to want to work yeah, with you. Yeah, so. true. Uh, <laughs> um, so let's jump back into uh, skyscraper a bit. Um, you talked about kind of writing the the theme for the, the family, which it is a very family oriented action thriller. Right. Um, but it is, I mean, it, it's I, I just really loved it because it was. It, it kind of knew how ridiculous it is in certain areas, mm -hmm. and it was just a lot of fun. Like, I know movies, popcorn movies, that can just be, like, almost insulting the intelligence of the audience, but I was, right. like, in it, and I was pulled oh, in all the way through. Um, was How was it finding the tone of, right. like, I think feeling like finding the tone with this not being over too melodramatic, yeah. right. was that kind of a, a challenge mm -hmm. to, to make sure this movie was, like, intense, but not, like, rah, like, you oh, know, yeah. super heroic? It definitely was, and that, I think, just being at the premiere, even the actors came up to me and said, I re really love how you set the tone without melodramatizing yeah. <laughs> anything. Because we always wanted to keep it grounded. This guy's a real guy. He's yeah. just trying to save his family, even though he's jumping around buildings and stuff. But yeah. that was a big thing. And Ross and I talked about it early on. And yeah, that was, that was always the plan, just to kind of help support what was happening, help support the action, but again, it's not a guy with a cape yeah. and all this stuff and nothing wrong with those scores. It's, it's perfect for those films, but this one, uh, and I keep telling people in interviews, I said, my fans might be disappointed, like, where's the big, you know, this is The Rock, he's climbing a building, why is not a big horn theme? I said, well, it just, it didn't feel right. We and had this really great, this bomb, 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 like that kind of, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like, I like that kind of, it had yeah. like, oomph to it but it wasn't right. like it to kind of carry the weight of the situation yeah. rather than scoring yes. the character I, on that particular thing i thought i'm going to put a little thematic riff in the low brass yeah. i'm not going to put it in the horns because yeah. then it just sounds like big and important without sounding like superhero or exactly whatever. yeah so that that uh that I, they're talking about when he's climbing up the crane yeah and yeah. then i think it appears a little bit mm -hmm. later too. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah it's a few times yeah but. i like that no, i remember seeing the theater i was like yes <laughs> oh, yeah maybe the fans will like that but, uh, yeah. but yeah i specifically put it in the low brass just yeah i thought it was cool <laughs> and it fit better you know, you've done a lot of different genres in your career but action being kind of one of the big ones because you're known for transformers and mm -hmm. and of course skyscraper now what do you think is the appeal of the action genre to audiences and i guess what is the appeal to you as a storyteller what brings you back to the genre and right. trying to find a new way to excite again all right i just going back to me being a kid in L.A., going to the theater every weekend, there was something about action movies that would draw me and my friends in. I don't know what it is. It's just like a roller coaster ride, I guess, without actually yeah. doing that. <laughs> you know, it's like an adrenaline rush to see these crazy things, and and I don't envy filmmakers because mm. just you keep having to up the ante the yeah. years and years of films that have come before or find some way to, new way to do it. But and action filmmaking is just... I mean, it's just like literally cut, cut. I mean, there's so many, mm -hmm. it's not just like one fluid. I mean, you can, but it's, it's a yeah. lot of work. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, working on these films, I see how much work it is because I can see 
when I get the picture, generally it's very unfinished. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's just the rock standing there in the front of a green screen and <laughs> pretending things are happening. Uh, so it's it's challenging for them, and it's challenging for a composer having to score that. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, just relying on what Rawson or the film editors tell me is happening. and mm -hmm. But I love it. I love... I love uh, films where it just gets your blood pumping and and just being a small part of that, you know, underneath kind of motoring along or yeah. delivering scares or a little bit of emotion here. There was a lot of of that in a lot of gear changing in this movie. Where yeah, there's like, you know, because they did play with the vertigo a little bit and drops and stuff. Right. And even though it, it was CG, I did feel like kind of stomach dropping in certain scenes and stuff like that. So <laughs> that's good. Yeah. I'll tell Ross. You know what? But the. The premiere was in IMAX, and it was like, I was worried that I was going to get actually physically sick, but it was okay. <laughs> but yeah, they shot it in, uh, what is it, anamorphic, mm -hmm. so that the the scenes were just huge, and, and but a lot of that I didn't see when I was working on it. So right. Yeah. Um, so as, I mean, you started your career, kind of, I mean, at a time when I was really falling in love, and for, going back to the action genre, I fell in love with... I think I remember the '90s Bruckheimer sound, like Con Air and The Rock and and stuff like that. Um, do you think, how, how, or do you think, or how do you think has action evolved? Has the genre changed now in 2018 from from when you first started? And I guess how has it right. changed? I mean, do you think That's it has changed? Uh, I hadn't really thought about it. Uh, I guess it's become more CG driven, mm -hmm. a lot more. Uh, for better or worse, I don't know. People have differing opinions, but <clears throat> a lot of these films are have giant set piece scenes created almost entirely in a computer, and yeah. and I think in that respect, they they just look different from right. before. I think a, a, there are definitely a, a some amount of audience who appreciated the <laughs> kind of real life creation of these action scenes, and you could just tell it was people were really doing these things even if they're on cables or whatever but yeah yeah but having said that the cg has opened up you know you can do pretty much anything now right and uh, i do sometimes wonder if it's going to start to go back the other way if i feel like there has been some cg fatigue mm -hmm. and you're seeing more movies really kind of like advertise like we're using practical effects. <laughs> right. like, look, look. <laughs> yeah, there was. Well, yeah, there was something recently, like Star Wars or something. Yeah, Star Wars did were... it, and um, God, what did I just see? There was something that was very recent. It was like practical. Interesting. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess it's happening then. I think because you can. So if you look at something like Jaws, which was made, I don't know how many years ago, yeah, it I still think. looks incredibly convincing. Mm-hmm. And then you'll look at a newer shark movie or whatever it might be, and you go, ah, yeah, you know. And that that Jaws was made forty years ago, or whatever. I didn't <laughs> yeah, know, nineteen seventy something. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and uh, and it's still more convincing than some CGI ish films that you see. And you go, ah, and it doesn't quite compute. But there's something about. I guess it's just the genius of Spielberg and yeah. or whatever filmmaker is doing this. If 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 they use the tools right, it's going to be great. So I. I'm all for CG. I don't have nothing against it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think but it's a great tool. Um, it can be a crutch, but I think it's a great tool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I think if, if it was less of a crutch, I think it would be a good thing. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so you do, you have, I mean, you've scored comedies and television and games and action and drama. Um, 
but you, as I said earlier, you are known for your kind of Transformers films and action, and we're talking about action a lot now. Did you, was there ever a time where you felt that you might get typecast as the action guy or the Transformers guy? And as a person with a career, how did you kind of navigate that and try to be like, look, I can do other things too? Right. <laughs> I I've never actually thought about it. Really? Like that. Okay. I I I've. I mean, I'm aware of it. Yeah. But I've never thought, oh, I, I, I have to do something about it to change. I have discussions with my agents occasionally saying, yeah, if, if something else comes up, that's. Mm. But, you know, as I was telling someone earlier today, I was speaking to about Skyscraper, it's a director like Rawson, when he's looking for a composer, uh, I have this huge body of action material mm-hmm. that he obviously liked and that's how I got this job and uh, you know I'm talking to somebody else next week about an action film it's they hear this stuff that I've done they yeah. go oh yeah that's that so I get just by the nature of that right. I get asked more by action directors mm-hmm. to do their films than romantic comedy directors <laughs> who like go oh okay you've done nothing so <laughs> we're gonna just take you right off the list right but that applies I'm sure to any yeah department of making a movie or probably a lot of different jobs not just not just this business but yeah, people yeah. see you as a certain way and I but I don't I don't mind I think I'm I mean I know I'm very lucky to be doing <laughs> this and and I do small th- I did a documentary for a friend of mine uh, called origin stories yeah we'll talk about that a little later yeah <laughs> you know, I'll wait for that. but it, but it was that was very different and yeah occasionally I'll just sneak things like that in that most people don't even realize I did yeah but it's 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 nice for and I, I might do one another another one of those mm. next month oh, just awesome. a small documentary yeah about a baseball related thing and it's just nice to squeeze those in between it must be like creatively refreshing too mm-hmm. just you know just to tap different parts of your brain into yeah it's great and different emotional spectrums different human stories and stuff oh, like yeah. that that's oh, fantastic um, so yeah, speaking of other genres, um, you got to work on, since last time we spoke, you did a great comedy, uh, Game Over Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, talking about comedy. Right. Um, so yeah, and you, you did, I mean, you've had comedy like uh, Keanu and Your Highness mm-hmm. and all these great comedies, but I always find it interesting because I think they, they kind of utilize you to actionize the comedy. Yeah. Do you, so for those <laughs> instances when you're scoring a comedy, do you score it straight? Do you score it like, this is exactly what it would fit in Skyscraper, but like, right. <laughs> is that what makes it funny? Essentially, <laughs> yes. Those, Keanu, Your Highness, and um, Game, Game Over, Over Man were all that approach uh-huh. where everybody's being so funny on the screen. Yeah. You don't need the music to tell them it's funny. So just play it as though these guys really are action heroes or whatever. <laughs> and that's the whole kind of joke. And that I th- I personally think that's the right way to do it. That goes back to my favorite scores, like Airplane and mm-hmm. Hot Shots and all those oh, spoof yeah. movies where it's like... That's where we learned it. Those yeah. scores are really great scores. Amazing. <laughs> like wrongly Epic accused, Hollywood's, like yeah. Bale Conti. Like. <laughs> Th- those are amazing scores that could fit in any legit, or not legit, but serious movie, I should yeah. say. And, <laughs> but... It makes it funnier somehow because you go, like, you know, what did they just say? What yeah, did Danny exactly. McBride just say? <laughs> yeah, Your Highness was one of my favorite things. But yeah, yeah, that was totally the same approach. Yeah, I always find. Yeah, it's, I think that's like the power of music. It's like yeah. the music and savor. It just complements the image mm-hmm. and just <laughs> creates that effect. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, you mentioned Origin Story, which is a great documentary. Um, did poignant you story. Seen it? 
Hmm? Have you seen it or no? No, oh, I haven't okay. seen it yet. But um, uh, just I mean that poignant you just story. Know it's great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you you co-composed with Michael Daniel mm-hmm. Cassidy. Did you uh, work together? Was it more of a separate thing? Or? Initially, we wanted to work together, but it, our schedules it didn't kind yeah. of work out that way. And the director, Kulop, who's a fantastic person, she's. It's about the film is about her trying to find her. She, at, at, I think it was fourteen. She discovers. She discovers. Yeah, yeah her father is not actually her father. And right. Of course, it just flips her whole th- world around, and and she decided to go to find him. Yeah, from, she's from Laos, I think mm-hmm. originally. Yeah. yeah. So the whole film is her traveling there and trying to find, and kind of it not being as sweet and yeah. nice as you might think, and. It's just very harsh, kind of real life thing. But how did you get involved in the project? Uh, it's I've listened. Her husband is Scott Ackerman, who's a he was in Mr. Show, and he has a podcast that I like a lot. And yeah. she has a podcast that right, I like, yeah, and yeah. I'm just a fan of them, and I listen to them a lot. And she was talking about this film she was making, and it was an Indiegogo or Kickstarter. Yeah, thing. they did like a whole raising campaign. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I, I, I was I really want to see this film, so I donated or pledged whatever you call it to the to her campaign mm-hmm. and somehow we ended up meeting and she's like oh you're the composer guy do you would you like to it, it took a long time for that yeah. to happen but uh that's amazing she just one day invited me to lunch and said do you want to be involved i said yeah that's that'd be amazing that's uh, i was just really supporting your film but i'd love to be a part of it that's great and her friend mike cassidy who's a, he's a, a also very big in the comic world, but yeah. he's also music guy, right, really right. talented music, obviously. He, he kind of took the scenes that were a bit more song oriented. Mm-hmm. He has a band, and I did the more scorey type scenes. He basically just split up the score in half, and that's cool. Yeah, yeah it was cool. Um, so when you approach nonfiction, do you, is that do you approach it differently when you know that this is like these are real people, real stories, yeah. this isn't made up? Does that change the way you? handle the material yeah definitely I try very hard not to be too Hollywood yeah. with any of that because I don't want to trivialize these right these real stories and and films like uh, Lone Survivor yeah Water Horizon those are all true stories and when I'm writing I literally think you know a thought will pop into my head like this I'm scoring a scene where a character dies, and I know he's a he's a real guy, and he's yeah. actually passed away. And what if his wife comes to the come to a screening and watches this movie? I don't. Mm. I really don't want yeah. to trivialize this this man's death. And so it's it it kind of it. The, generally speaking, I, I tone things down a little bit, just yeah. a little more somber or simple, and you don't. Uh, make it too too over the top at all it's 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 a nice challenge and the same with origin story it was there was no huge tragedies like like death like that but it was still very serious and yeah things didn't go quite as you might hope when she found her real father so just you know simple melancholy again without being too sad it's yeah you still have to evoke the audience kind of bring it in but it's it's a, it's a very fine line I think documentary scoring yeah 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 definitely <laughs> I enjoy it last time I don't think we delved too deep into it but you do have a kind of big chunk of your career in video games right. 
as well. I think we mentioned Gears of War mm-hmm. uh, 2, but I mean, you've done Gears of War 2, 3, Judgment, trans- the Transformers games, and Sims 3, and Command and Conquer 3. Right. Um, and I, I, I'm a gamer, and, and I do play video games, mm-hmm. and I think gaming is really kind of becoming a very great frontier of storytelling. And I mean, yeah. game, Huge. a new game comes out, like Call of Duty or Grand Theft Auto, makes almost billions of dollars in yeah. day one. So, I mean, people are, are there and playing. and, and mm-hmm. So, for a composer, kind of what's your take on games and what brings you to video games and why do you enjoy scoring them? Well, I'm a gamer as well. Uh-huh. I'm a nearly 50-year-old gamer, but <laughs> I have a PC at home and I and a Nintendo Switch. I don't have a lot of time to play them. Yeah, exactly. Have kids. <laughs> Between work and kids, I don't... Uh, but, but I truly appreciate the power of these games and the sheer amount of hours that people spend with them. Yeah. That they... they you know, you don't sit and watch a movie for 50 hours, but yeah. people might play a game for 50, 100 hours, and and uh, they just start to live this music. And I actually went to E3 just whenever it was, a few weeks ago, a month yeah, ago, yeah. and met with some game people, and it's just, I'm blown away every time. I don't know how the people, they, they make these games. And you it's... look at it and go, is that, that looks real. I don't, <laughs> but, but yeah, and some of the great stories. I think one of the guys said that, the video game industry actually has surpassed the film industry as yeah. far as money. In terms goes. of gross, yeah. yeah, it's it's crazy. So it's no wonder you've E3, which looks like this crazy, you know, show of you, you can't even believe when you walk into that place. And everywhere you turn, there's just cool, unique things going on, and yeah, and cool stories being told. So that's. I mean, people. I, mean, I think I think it gets trivialized too by. Maybe not just older uh, generations, but I think people don't take it as seriously. I think right. it's still kind of like, oh, it's for kids, and it's it's also very male dominated too. I think that's a little yeah. bit of issue with it. But um, I mean, I've played games that have made me cry, and yeah. I mean something like <clears throat> uh, like Last of Us and stuff like that. Last it's of just... Us, I mean, <laughs> and Last of Us Two. That's like one of the biggest games I can't wait. coming out. Yeah, um, but um, that's yeah. I mean, I totally agree. I think. Websites like Twitch, I don't know if you know, yeah. or YouTube, I know they have, that might be even helping the video game. Cause yeah. You, I watch Twitch occasionally. Oh, I don't I don't have time to play, but I, I'd love to play this game, but I don't have time. Let me go see who's playing oh, yeah. whatever. Like Far Cry 5 is a game I really want to play. Yeah, it's, it's sitting right. on my... I beat it, yeah. <laughs> don't, no spoilers. <laughs> I, it's uh, sitting on my computer, but I don't know when I'm going to play it. Yeah. Those open world games take a lot of dedication. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I love, I love that kind of game because there's so much exploring. You could just go wander off, away from the story for yeah. a couple hours and get lost in the world. Yeah, and like the music sets the mood and yeah. yeah Dan, Dan Romer did the score. It's really good. Oh great. <laughs> no, I I but yeah I I would like to after E3 I spoke to my agents. I said I haven't done a game in a while. Maybe let's yeah. if there's some you know there's a lot of great game composers who. They've kind of got that covered. By yeah, they make some. a career out of it, yeah. where it's like that's what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, for but as a as so when you do work on the, the games that you've worked on, when you're writing, and I mean it has to be a challenge to figure. Or I've talked to some composers. Like I talked to Lauren, and mm-hmm. he's like, I, I I like to get some footage, and I really write to it, and I imagine the players like playing it. Where I've All talked right. to another composer, um, like Cliff Martinez did Far Cry Four, and he's like, mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't even see anything. They just took my music and just oh, and just developed it into it. So right. I mean, how do you work, and how do you write for gameplay where it's mm-hmm. the players dictating the pacing right. and everything like 
I mean, do you get better at with each game kind of right. making music that doesn't drive the player insane yeah, right. and stuff like that? That is a trick. <laughs> I, uh, I think I, my approach is more like Lauren's, where mm -hmm. I like to see as much as... And generally, all the games I've done, they've sent me stuff. Yeah. You know, it might not be finished gameplay, but... Because like a film, you, you like to be inspired yeah, visually. Yeah, visual, yeah. But I could see if, you know, Cliff, I'm not sure what the circumstances was, but if they just said, go write some stuff and yeah. we'll, we'll use it, that's cool too. But the, the games I've done, there's cinematics, you know, the scenes that right. are like movie scenes. Yeah, those scored linear. Those. Yeah. yeah, those are scored to picture perfectly. And But the bulk of the music is usually broken down, at least in my experience, in a big, giant spreadsheet. Mm. And like World 1 and all these different, you know, we need 90 seconds of mid-tempo action and yeah and these things and they all have to kind of loop back on each other right and i've learned that and within the body of these pieces you don't want to do too much of this because you you don't want to accidentally have a peak in the music when nothing's going on <laughs> on the screen yeah so it's more or less like you said just try to keep tension going or whatever the whatever the mood is they want right without doing too much and without being too boring and you have to be able to seamlessly loop back to the beginning without realizing it's looped so it's kind of a technical challenge although late I think I, I started hearing technology now where like composers can write a piece and they split it out into many tracks like yeah. just the drums and the piano all these different tracks and the game developers can actually program the game to trigger different tracks depending on what's going on. Yeah, so maybe so. they trigger the drum track, right? When, Which wasn't really a thing when I was... They were talking about doing that back when I was doing Gears 3 or whatever it was. Yeah. But they hadn't quite... I, by now, it must be insane. I haven't done a game for a few years, but... You know, it's changed, the technology is always changing. So yeah, yeah. and it is. It, it almost, it's scoring yeah. live almost. That's where exactly was the you idea. Give, you give the ingredients and mm -hmm. the, the technology puts it together based yeah. on the action. Yeah, that was, I thought, oh my god, that's crazy. Because I would just <laughs> generally give them a stereo mix and go, here you go. Mm -hmm. and, and that was it. But but yeah, I loved that idea. So I, I'm i guessing that, that has come to fruition now <laughs> and is happening. But it was it was a cool, I, because I, exactly like you said, it's live scoring. You know, that The computer is, or the player is actually dictating right. what, what the score is going to do. Yeah, based on where he or she is going and stuff. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> But I mean, yeah, I think games are getting there, and I, yeah. I think I'm gonna write an article next for the next issue of the score and really kind of dive into that because I think it is the fall is you know big time for games, so yeah. I think it's uh, yeah, it's an interesting medium, and I think it's still has a lot a lot of growing going on, but I mm -hmm. think it's just interesting in terms of creativity and storytelling. Yeah, yeah, for it's sure. Fantastic. I hope to get back into it soon. Yeah, that'll be great. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so kind of looking at. Uh, Kind of the big picture stuff of the industry you know you've um, worked in this industry for quite a while across tv games films and everything are there any trends today in 2018 that you're seeing that are really great that you really love seeing are there any mm -hmm. things that you're seeing that oh we should not do that that we should stray away from that right like kind of what are your observations as a professional in this industry well it doesn't have to be just music it can be yeah, film right. related or tv oh. related so it doesn't have to be just with right, your profession right, right. but just like as the entertainment industry <laughs> well i have to say that one of the reasons I was really excited 
<clears throat> to do Skyscraper was that it was its own thing. And at the premiere, the producers and director and The Rock were all standing up front and the producer was talking about this film and thanking everyone for coming and The Rock is great and Rawson is great. And he's like, we're, we're, we've done a film in a sea of sequels and, and superhero movies. And he said, out of... This seems crazy to me, but he says, of all the big films coming out this summer, we're the only one that's not a sequel or a superhero it's movie. It's an original concept. That, can that be possible? He says, every film before us and after us is a sequel. And I'm like, wow. I'm, I'm, I've, I've obviously been aware of this yeah. thing that's been going on. And, and I don't get to go to the movies too much, but when I do, I try to seek out that this kind of film that's the new thing yeah as opposed to a sequel that because I probably haven't seen the first three of them and or I skipped the second one and it's like I, I just want to see something new like Isle of yeah. Dogs is this Wes Anderson movie I love, that, yeah. I'm oh. dying to see it that's like the one movie I oh there's a bunch but that's yeah. one of the films that I really want yeah, it's to on, see it's, it's on you can, it's on digital now if you oh great yeah, so you can get on iTunes 4K watch it tonight <laughs> but that's I wish you know but I of course I understand sequels are the, what make Right, it's, a, it's a business as well as a creative yeah. art form. Yeah, it's and a business, and and the um, the next film I might do again is a is a new thing. It's not a sequel. It's not a and <clears throat> I'm kind of looking at those a bit more than I am. Right. Uh, the other things, just you know, I would not be against scoring a. I've done many sequels yeah. and, <laughs> and remakes and things. I'm certainly not against it, but. Just for me personally, I'm interested in more. I kind of wish there was more original, yeah, uh, original properties yeah, and for sure. things. But it's just I know it's hard to push them through. I know from filmmakers, <clears throat> oh they yeah, say it's hell to get to, those. I things. mean, I think any if you're sitting in a movie, a theater, and just watching a movie, I think I think Brian Teller, just, we were talking about this. It's just like it's a miracle that movie is there. Yeah, like just the journey it went on, and well, it's only two hours of your life, mm -hmm. but it's it's like years, decades sometimes yeah. for other people behind it. And yeah, it's, you, you hear these stories, of, and a lot of times, the the number of great stories that just fell apart because the money fell yeah. apart that we didn't get because of that, because they said you know we we have to put it into, whatever you know, yeah. Superman five or whatever. I, I, I know that's happened, but... but I, and I, as me, as, a, as an audience member, I've observed kind of the disappearing of the, uh, the middle class of, like, filmmaking. Yeah, and Which right. is why it was, it was great to see something like Skyscraper, because, like, you have these $300 million, $400 million yeah, tent poles, right. and then you have our Best Picture winners every year, which yeah. are, like, $2 million <laughs> yeah. budget. Yeah. And that middle class that I grew up loving, mm -hmm. kind of, you know, the, the $100 million, the $120 right. or $80 million kind yeah. of... It's good to see that every now and then. To just, it's it's really well done. Has a lot of kind of budget pumped into it, and yeah. you get to tell a nice story instead yeah. of scrambling for money or just yeah. watching the same superhero fight the same bad guy. Right, right. <laughs> but it does seem like like I didn't see Infinity War, but people yeah. tell me it's amazing. Like maybe that did you see that? Or? I did. Yeah. I, I mean, I I have a little bit of Marvel fatigue, but right. you know, <laughs> okay, yeah. maybe yeah, fatigue. Maybe I I should see it before I comment. Yeah, yeah. Several people said it's actually. Really well done, and so it 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 can be well done. I don't mean to. Well, I mean, Al Sylvester's score is really good. I, I mean, Sylvester is another <laughs> tremendous hero of yeah. mine. I just bought like a box set of Back to the Future. <laughs> that was just, a great score. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think just as a film goer, I wouldn't mind if more original kind of 
scripts got through somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got through the. They fight their way through. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think you see a lot of that on TV now. I think those scripts yes, are. Yes, true. So I mean, TV right. is that golden age now. They that's always say, true. and it is true. There's the I'm, the storytelling on television yeah. is amazing. Oh, that's, you're absolutely. That's a great point. They they that's where people are going for the original yeah, content now. For sure. There's so many great limited series and mini yeah. and series. So. I, I just read this morning. Joss Whedon is doing some HBO sci-fi thing. Like he's oh, wow. writing it, directing it, and it sounded great. It's like this new, I've never heard of it, I don't know what it is, but yeah. he's doing it for HBO, and I'm sure it's going to be amazing. And right. Like that's, I, that I want to see, you know, I'm not that interested in the next Avengers or yeah, whatever it yeah. is, but not because it's bad, it's just not my thing, and yeah, there's yeah, so yeah. many, it's like you get overwhelmed. It is, there's so much too there. I mean, you go on Netflix and you're like, oh my God, right. <laughs> overwhelmed. <laughs> um... So this is a big question. Uh-oh. This is huge. Are you going to see Bumblebee? Oh. <laughs> well. Or will you have PTSD? <laughs> I, I I don't know. I, like I said, I don't go to the movies much. Right. And Are you interested to see what another person's take is on that character and yeah, that franchise? Sure, right? Yeah, sure. Totally. Especially, I didn't see that director's animated film. Yeah, Kubo. Kubo. Yeah. I heard it was great. I didn't see it. Yeah, yes. And, of course, Dario is a fantastic composer. Mm, brilliant. That yeah. that combination that's what intrigues me the most about yeah. it like those are two super amazing guys yeah <laughs> that combination tackling the transformers movie it's like i'm definitely interested i'll see it at some point yeah i, I know yeah, 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 yeah you know opening day but <laughs> i'm for sure and i i wish them the best i i can't the number of uh, social media or messages i've got gotten since bumblebee was announced saying mm-hmm. please score that movie and i i i am so humbled by all these fans that yeah they're like i'm not gonna see it it's not transformers unless you did the music I'm like, I, you know i'm getting teary-eyed reading these things for right. these people and i just at one point i just had to write this letter and put it online saying look i i love all of you for saying this and i means more than you know that what i whatever i did for this franchise means that much to you that yeah that you can't envision transformers without me but <laughs> this is the whole point of bumblebee is something new they yeah. really wanted to go 180 degrees right. from what we've done and that <laughs> exactly. music is a huge part of that and it needed a new voice you yeah. know, it needed all of this an entirely new crew of people yeah. and so maybe someday I'll come back to it but I think you know Bay is off doing different things and, yeah, yeah. You know, so we might just go different <laughs> direction and I'm not I'm, I've never really spoken to him about do you want to do another one I, he might be like well <laughs> you know, I'm done. Let 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 other people other people do it. But but I am definitely interested. I hope and I hope it's great. And yeah, look, I mean, it looks really good. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, is there anything kind of to close up? Is there anything coming up that you're allowed to talk about to reveal that you're working on, uh, or is it still stuff that is in the works? <laughs> there are three films that I haven't really officially signed on yet. Okay, so. But, and I, I'm superstitious. I don't like to mention. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, One of them of is probably going to happen. But uh, and there's a little documentary that I might squeeze in as well. Like, like I said, baseball related, right. which, again, I don't watch much sports anymore. But I used to love watching the Dodgers. And it's about a, an, a Los Angeles-based player who's a big inspirational guy from the 90s. Who I'm not. I'm hoping I can work out the schedule to do it because it sounds yeah. really fantastic. And... Uh, but yeah, maybe yeah. in a couple months. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll be waiting for the announcements. Yeah. Yeah. yeah most of my interviews end with this question, and All I right. feel like I keep giving the same answer. I'm like, call me in like a month, yeah. or 
Because you never know what's going to happen, you know. Yeah, I mean, everything changes. I've yeah. been signed on to films that, that uh, one of my saddest jobs that I didn't get because it never happened was mm -hmm. David Gordon Green was going to remake Suspiria, the uh, Dario Argento film. Yeah. That I've loved. This is a really stylistic, uh, just disturbing, colorful horror movie from the 70s. Yeah, they, they did remake it. Yeah. Yeah. The the one that David was going to make sounded amazing. I was going to do the score using the Goblin music. Wow! The, you know, just reworking it, and I was I was, oh, I was so excited. And then just the funding fell apart, mm. and but yeah, it's it's gone to a different filmmaker who's it's the director of uh, Call Me by Your Name. Is that yeah? I think so. Yeah, yeah it's, that's him, Luca, and and I believe Tom York is doing the music. Yeah. So. You know, it, it, all things happen for a reason, yeah, so that's yeah, yeah. probably going to be amazing. But I was, I was so looking forward to doing. Well, David's doing really uh, Halloween, right? Is mm -hmm. he, yeah, that's going to be amazing. Yeah, I was yeah. speaking to him about it. He's, uh, we, we're good friends, and we talk yeah. a lot. And there was a chance I was going to work on that with him, but mm -hmm. at some point early on, he's like, you know, John, John asked me if he could do the score. He can't. Say, what do you think? <laughs> Uh, and I, I actually said, what do you mean, what do I think? <laughs> you know what, uh, you should take <laughs> No, no. I said, look, because he was, he was, yeah. You know, you that's. Yeah, that's amazing. I know, he, yeah, I saw that he had John Carpenter's running this class. Yeah. Yes, that's amazing. I just hope that <laughs> somehow I weasel my way in and get to meet John. That's all I hope. Yeah. <laughs> David usually invites me to premieres and stuff, so I'm going to. Oh, yeah, there you go. You'll get to meet him. Just, uh, yeah, I'd love to. I mean, the guy's a. The thing is, my favorite horror movie of all time. Like. Right, the one he didn't score actually. Yeah, <laughs> Morricone, my other. Yeah. But, uh, um, but yeah, the thing is amazing. So, but anyway, yeah, that's a side note. I I do wish we had done that, but there will be other things. Yeah, there will always be other things and other collaborations. Mm -hmm. And um, so I wanted to just thank you again for sure. your time. Yeah. Uh, happy Friday the Thirteenth. I know you. Oh, is you that today? Yeah, you worked on the remake, so yeah. there you go. Yeah, <laughs> you're that part of that fun. legacy now. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks so much, Steve. Sure. Yeah, thanks, time. Thanks. Thanks for making the drive down from Burbank. Yeah. Well, no worries. You're worth it. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs>